Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Thirsty Thursday live stream from 7 until 9 weekly. Here's your host, Tim Hill. Another ad break. <laughs> Should we call it an ad break? This is, this is just so I can... Um, when I edit it down, I can, I can drop it into four parts. So we've got some stuff coming up in the future. Uh, I won't won't do it again just now, but I'll do it again in half an hour's time. But if there's a, a taboo subject that you want us to discuss, to bring out into the open, to normalise, to, to bring it into an everyday conversation, let us know. Drop it in the chat box and... Uh, and we'll we'll put together a panel of special guests to talk about it all. Bullying, is it? Oh, bugling. <laughs> Bullying. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, I noticed that there's only three people out of all you lovely people out there watching that have smashed the like button or the love button. So if you'd like to do that, and then we'll get on to our next guest. Um, who's going to bring in next? Let's bring in Cheryl. Let's have a let's have a chat with Cheryl. Hello, Hello. Cheryl. how are you doing, darling? Good. Uh, thanks, Tim, for having me back, and um, I appreciate being here and having this conversation about grieving, about having that loss. Because I think about uh, Victor Frankel talking about we can't change our situation, but then we are challenged to change ourselves. And like Catherine was talking about, and I found that really good, is that sometimes it feels very lonely. You know, it's a very, when you're suffering, it can feel like you are alone. And doing that self-work and looking at how you can do things to heal yourself because that loss has already happened. So what can, what are the things that brought you joy before? And it is a process of waves of emotions and all those things. And it's not fast food. It really is a process and being around people that will allow you to fall apart or share your stories. So I think that's really great that we're able to have this conversation. Oh, no, I can't hear you. I know you can't hear me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, am I, 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 I lost my again. hearing. <laughs> I have a nightmare with a mute button. But fortunately, it was very, very quick. <laughs> yes, so it was really quick. <laughs> Normally, I'll go on for two or three minutes. And I'll <laughs> Just talk. I know it's fun when you're talking to yourself. And I know. You're like, can't you read um, my lips? Yes. So for, I think what we're trying to do is, is really important to bring this, this subject uh, into normal everyday conversation because it's the one guarantee everybody has got that one day they will lose somebody or they'll lose themselves. And right. It, it might be easier to lose yourself. What happens in the afterlife? 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Could be a yeah. In fact, um, and I in think fact, for I my... Had a yeah. I had a chat. I had a chat. Uh, actually, the episode just released this week. Sandy Byrne. She was a medium. And anybody that wants to... It was a fascinating chat I had with a medium. Go onto my podcast. Go onto, onto my YouTube. And you'll see uh, Sandy Byrne. Just been released. Brilliant episode. Oh, I can't wait. So, um, yeah, talking to a medium. Yeah, I and I really, I believe that, you know, when we say they're gone, they're not gone. I mean, my own personal belief is you can have that conversation with that loved one anytime and that they always are with us and they're always cheering us on and wanting the best for us. So. Yeah, absolutely. So should we bring in another guest? Sure. And I just want to say hello to everybody that's watching and thanks for joining in the conversation and 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 making this more exciting. Yeah. Let's uh let's just give a few hellos to I mean obviously Dave Gardner, Craig Morris is out there. Evening Craig. Um great to see you. Um who else we got? We we we've had several other people around. Marcus. Marcus is here. <laughs> ah. I'm going on Marcus's show in a couple of weeks' time. Straight after this show. <laughs> so I've got to get the timing right on that one. Um so Cheryl, I'm gonna drop you down and then I'm gonna bring in Charlie. To Charlie is Harry's youngest daughter. I've got Echo. Hello. Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got somebody's got a mic turned up somewhere or the speaker's turned up anyway Charlie how you been coping since uh, your dad's demise uh, uh, not bad that was the dog sorry uh-huh. um, I guess you would call it coping as there's some days where I don't want to do things and I don't want to go anywhere, but I've got two young boys, so I don't really have an option of of not doing them things because they make me, so to speak. Like I can't say to my one-year-old, I don't fancy getting out of bed today. I'm just talking to thank you. I'm just talking to him online. Yeah. She's live online. Can you shut the door for me, please? Oh Mary. Good evening. <laughs> you can see what happens when we go live, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> Always. Oh, you just put me in a pair of crops. <laughs> Why? Like this time um, of night. Come here, please. Hold on. I've got to move the dog. Come here. Come on. Come on. Yeah, so it's even like this. Like then, I started to get emotional. Boys come in, and then you just have to snap out of it. So it is It is a big distraction from it. Um, obviously, there is times when I don't want to... I don't want to do things, but I haven't got an option to, so... I find my biggest escape at the minute is work because I can go there with my friends 
I've worked there for three years now, so obviously <clears throat> I've been right there while I've been through it. They've known me before that. Um, my boss I've known for eight years, something like that. So they know me on a personal level as well. So that's quite a good escape for me going to work because you can all. It's, it's a coping. It's how I cope with it. It's sort of thinking about other things and and mm. getting along with it. But uh, yeah, the boys have definitely helped me be a big distraction. Obviously, I've got my husband too. But um, yes, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it it takes time, and I guess. Time. For, for you, because you've got all those other distractions, it may take a little bit longer to get get you through it. Yeah. If that makes sense. There's, there's also, because um, I'm the one who found Dad after he had the accident. I was there while the paramedics were working on him uh, out the front of my mum's. Um, he literally just got out of the pool. You probably all know the story. He just got out of the pool with my boys and uh yeah i found him so i've got a there's certain sounds and noises that uh take me back because obviously they're like triggers so there's yeah still having nightmares and things like that just creep up and you don't expect it they do they sneak up and bite you in the backside so, are, are you getting any sort of counselling for that? Are, are you taking part in the um, the bereavement counselling? No, not yet, no. Um, I've spoken with the doctors, but they say that they like you to have a six months. Like to, it's, it's different with a spouse, but with a, uh, with a child, and especially is what I went through when I found him and that sort of thing, um, they like you to have six months so you can deal with it yourself a little bit before you go down the counselling route, which I suppose is that way you've you've dealt with some emotions before you get to that point. That's what the doctor yeah. said to me anyway. And, and I guess um, being able to talk about it is the main thing. And, and, and it, I mean, you, you can talk to it with your, your mum um, and your sister. Yeah. And your sister-in-law, your husband. And, yeah, I'm really lucky that I've got it, a good it, group around me. I've got a really strong friendship group. Yeah. yeah, a really strong friendship group. I've got really good work colleagues. I've got my family. Like you know, my mum. Like I've always been close with my my mum and my dad and my sister. Obviously, my sister lives with my mum. I live half a mile down the road. If that, not very far away. Um, so they've they've always just been around the corner, so it's it's weird not having that with dad. But I've got a good I've got a good support group. Mm. With, uh, with that's important. Yeah. yeah, that's important to be able to sort of a talk about it and b uh, show your emotion. Yeah. Um, if if you need to to have a little cry or a, a moment, then do it. Um, yeah. And then you've also got the the two boys as well. Um, obviously for LJ, it, it's it's slightly different because he's a 
he's slightly older and he's had a lot more time with with Howie, and yeah. um, he, so he's he's also going to be going through this process of where he's got that loss. Yeah, he talks about it quite often. It's funny because we'll be doing the most mundane task, pottering about the house, whatever, be out in the shop, and he'll he'll bring him up. And it, it that's, that's the times when it really takes me take, takes me off like catches me off guard, and I'm not prepared to talk about it. Like, so like, obviously, I'm always ready to like answer his questions, like what you listen to, what you're saying. But it's that that it's that always that moment that always takes me off guard, always. Because yeah. obviously, he he's dealing with a loss as well. I mean, he he got out the, as far as he was concerned. He he fell and hurt his head, and he didn't. We didn't tell him he passed away till two days later, because he was still at school. He only had two days left before the summer holidays, so we thought it best to, rather than granddad's got out the pool, gone on the roof, fallen off, and died. We wanted to break it to him a bit more gently. So when he was in the pool, he obviously knew something was going on because. Uh, there was he could see ambulances through the window, so Mum closed the curtains, um, and he saw the helicopter land, and so he he knew something was going on. Obviously, I was outside; he wasn't allowed to come out. He was very aware of it. So um, when and then the ambulance was on the driveway for two hours after. So we had to. I obviously didn't want them to see anything. There was a bit of mess outside that um, had to get cleared up before I even wanted to take him out of the house because. What I've got to remember is he, he's going to remember all of this. Um, so the outside of the house got tidied up and I had to talk to the police because I was the one who found him. So um, we waited till it cleaned up, took him home. I gave him a sandwich. and then. But obviously I've still got to be quite strong at this point. I've got to take him home, deal with him. But I couldn't be... I mean, I drove. <laughs> I'm looking back, I think, oh, I really shouldn't have drove. But it's just... <laughs> what I had to do to, to get through it at that moment in time. Um, and then we woke up in the morning and the first thing, because obviously it was in the middle of the heat wave, first thing he said was, oh, can we can we call Grandad to see if we can go to the pool after school? And I said, oh, you know you saw the ambulance yesterday. Uh, Grandad fell and hurt his head and he was like, oh, Grandad, or Grandrad as he called him. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I know, he's, he's silly. And he was like, okay. So, uh we and then we went we let him have the day at school we went around my mum and dad's after oh, mums um and uh he didn't ask any questions about him because i said he was in the hospital he hurt his head and then uh he then that was his last day at school so we picked him up from his last day went around my dad's obviously there's people coming in and out but it's normal for people coming in and out my mum's so he didn't really question anything the next day, uh, my husband took him out for the day to keep him busy when I was at my mum's. And then he came back and we told him then. So I told, I said, well, you know, uh, my mum had made a book. They'd only just come back from holiday on the Friday and this was on the Tuesday after. And uh, my mum had made a photo book that we got delivered that day. So I, we was looking through the pictures and he said, where is Grandrad? And I said, oh, you know, Grandad fell and, and hurt his head. I said the doctors tried really hard, but they couldn't. They couldn't do anything to 
Sula save him, so he had to go to live in the stars. And he was like, oh, okay. So he just stood there and sort of stared at me for a little while, and obviously I could see he's processing it. And then he walked out to the garden by himself, because that's where he used to play with my dad a lot. If there was anything ever going on in the garden, it was always, he would always be with LJ, and they would, can you stop? That's really weird. And they would always be together, causing mischief in the garden, doing something, picking up apple, like anything. So he went up there, so I followed him out there, and it was just me and him in the garden, because obviously there was a lot of people in the house. Um, I said, are you okay? He said, I don't understand why Grandma's gone to the stars. I said, he didn't want to go, but some things happen. And the doctors tried really hard. You know, people get better every day in hospital, but these doctors couldn't help him because they didn't want to tell him Obviously, what happened on the driveway and all that sort of thing. So um, he said, oh, I think Grandad's a butterfly. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, I think he's a green and black, black butterfly. And I was like, oh, OK. So now whenever we go out, we look for butterflies. And he goes, oh, no, that one's not Grandad. That's not the right colour green. So he's got <laughs> his own way of dealing with it as well. Hmm. Well, that's... that's, that's... I mean, it's really interesting, oh, really interesting. Uh, the, the way that you're having to, to deal with it with along with LJ as well. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to drop you down. I'm going to play one of the videos from last week. I think um, uh, Marie made some really, really good points. So we're just going to play that uh, for the next few minutes. So uh, let me bring that one in. And then we'll come back and we'll bring everybody back in in the next, in the last half an hour of the show. So here you go. Uh, that is, I, I guess that's the essence, is is going, everybody has to go through that, that grieving mm. process. And mm. it is a process because yeah. you've got the initial part of the, uh, uh, some people it's anger, some people it, it's it's disbelief, some, piece, some people it's, it's just the, the the immediate pain of the loss mm. of a loved one, mm. and then and then you go through into to the next phase of, of you go into almost autopilot to be able to 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 do all the the, the practical things of of counselling bank accounts and, and yeah. organising a funeral and and, yeah. and all the it's rest of it. A lot of paperwork. It went on for one and a half years. I know it, sometimes it can be an absolute nightmare, particularly if somebody has has died without leaving a will, and that is another nightmare. Mm. Uh, and and their estate goes into testate, and oh, yeah. it's, just, it's another minefield, and it's just mm. adding to the to the problems of the the, the process. Yeah, um, so you might just want to. Sorry, please. Uh, and so then then you come on to the. To the realization of, of, of coming out of it and, and it sometimes takes two or three years before mm -hmm. you actually accept that somebody's gone and if you haven't had the conversation with them beforehand mm -hmm. uh, of what they want for you going forward then then that makes that process even harder i guess mm -hmm. i guess it very much comes down to your mindset as well and to your choices and Rob was the one who always taught me about the concept of choices. You know, um, again, it, it comes back to people's beliefs and, and to their spiritual beliefs. On a very deep down spiritual level, I trust that Rob and I have chosen this journey 
and uh, that set aside because I fully respect that everybody's got different beliefs, even those who say, well, I did not choose to lose my husband, you can still choose how you respond to it. The responsibility, the responsibility lays with you how you respond to adversity in your life. And it comes back to choices. It comes back to allowing support in, allowing help in. That's a really big one. It's not an easy one in grief when you are in so much pain to allow somebody in to sit with you, to support you, and also to understand who actually is really supportive. And that's with no malintent. Some people just don't know how to support you in that because they come from that space of what society expects you to do with grief, which I don't agree with. And that led me to that one comment I wanted to make when you touched on anger and um, coming to terms with it. There's this misconception of these five stages of grief and they were originally uh, written by Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who's absolutely, absolutely renowned in the space of grief, but she wrote these stages for terminally ill people, not for grieving people. Until this day, they're still called five stages of grief, which is absolutely not mm. true, you know. They truly do apply for terminally ill people, but when you think about it, they don't always apply um, to grieving people. In my case, I never felt anger. I never felt bargaining or denial. It was, you know, um, I cannot relate to these stages of grief, if that makes sense. You might find some traces of it in it, but it's another attempt of society to put labels onto something they can't find words for. That's just my humble opinion here. And I guess that's one of the things that we're trying to bring out in this 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 conversation that we're having about bereavement, that it's yeah. different for everybody. Yeah. And yes, there. Say, so I, I guess for somebody that's been terminally ill, that that you know it's coming, or yeah. a, an old person that, that's that's going downhill, you know it's going to happen. To somebody that dies suddenly, yeah. there's. There's a kind of a different mindset, a different way of, of dealing with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of slightly easier to deal with, with a, a prolonged illness where you know the, the outcome. To, to I, I wouldn't that say does. that, to be honest, with all due respect. I think I've, I've spoken to so many people who've had this experience of that prolonged uh, illness and the anticipatory grief that comes with it is really quite debilitating it's very heavy to carry and some people carry that for 10 years so or like you know I don't want to put an exact time frame on it but for years you know and I do not envy them I would not want to swap with them and of course you can say well you wouldn't want another 10 years with Rob well yes but not for the price of him suffering for 10 years just so I've got him with me longer do you know what I mean so this is a very um very uh, vulnerable territory to say what is easy and what is not. I don't think that any any journey of grief is easy. Um, it is really a matter of how you deal with it and how well you're supported throughout it all. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't mean it was easy to deal with. It. Mm. It's, it's because you know it's coming. Mm. Um, and it's, I think... That the, the, the initial part, of the anger, is that a long drawn out illness is horrendous, and and I mean I went through it with my late wife. I mean, unfortunately, mm. she got cancer for a second time, 
uh, the yeah. going for it the first time was was uh, a year, and yeah. it was it was horrible going to 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 chemotherapy and all the rest yeah. of it involved with it, and and then they said that as long as she, if she's clear for for two years, she'll she'll probably be okay. Mm. A year and eleven months later, it came back and it was much much more aggressive, and yeah. uh, the, the the second time was even worse. Um, uh, Unfortunately, it, it only lasted for about six weeks before she died, uh, and that mm -hmm. was, I mean, that was tough. To Almost the exact same time frame as for my dad. It was very similar. It's been yeah. 30 years yesterday that my dad passed, and it was the same thing, you know. After about two years, the cancer came back, and it was so aggressive, it took him in four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my heart goes out to you, Tim. I, I, so, I mean, that, that was back in 2006. Um, mm -hmm. We um, still, still remember her fondly. I mean, we were married for twenty-three years, and uh, mm -hmm. we were together for twenty-five. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, and fortunately, I married my um, my best mate's wife, who mm -hmm. we were best mates at the time. He died mm -hmm. a year before her. Um, yeah. And we got together about four years after my wife died and we got married. We've been married for 12 years and we're really That's happy. Beautiful. I'm um, very happy. We can still have those conversations about mm -hmm. them because we remember all the times that we had together. Yeah. And that, that for us has made the whole thing bearable, I suppose. Yeah. That's such a blessing. It's mm. hidden gifts in adversity. Yeah. Mm. And then that's what we're trying to do with this, is, is trying to, to help people see that there, there are different ways through and different ways of coping. And mm. at the end of the day, it's your own journey, but there is an awful lot of help out there to be able to, to get you through it. And yeah. for, for what you've done with your, your process, helping other people is, is pretty awesome. So mm, I can only thank, thank you for that, and uh, mm. we'll push push your books and uh, get people to watch your TEDx. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. Boom! I'm back in the room. <laughs> Nearly got caught out. I hope you're finding this is interesting. Hoping this is helping everybody that's out there watching and listening. Um, and if it is helping you with dealing with grief, I mean, we've all been grieving the last week or so uh, at the loss of our Queen and trying to celebrate her life. I mean, she had a fabulous life. I mean, what she did for this country was immeasurable. And... Yes, we've had sort of 12 days of, of mourning the country and mourning. But I think the key to take away from all of that is that she had a brilliant life. She did a lot for the country and we should cherish that memory. Now we've moved on, now we've got a king. And I think we should embrace that. And I personally... Would not like to see the demise of the king anytime soon. I'd like to have him uh, have a, a decent go at reigning because he's been waiting a long time for it. Um, 
But I wouldn't like to see the demise of the monarchy either. I, I, I'm a royalist at heart and I definitely wouldn't want to live in a republic. Right, that said, last half an hour of the show coming up. So last quick plug for the upcoming shows. Um, so make sure you get this in your diary. Make sure that you you set your Thursday evenings aside from 7 till 9. You know it's coming, so you might as well book it because there's nothing on the telly. Um, we've got the suicide veteran suicide special coming up next week. Um, hopefully I've got some, a couple of really big guests coming on that you won't want to miss. And we're going to try and normalise that conversation, destigmatise uh, mental health and suicide, uh, particularly in the military, uh, but it also filters over into civilian life as well. Once guys leave the military, they, they, I, I say, become civilians. Once you've been in the military, you never become a civilian again. You always be an ex-military or a veteran, and that's. But you're part of society, and it has an effect. So that's that. The following week, this is the one that we had to postpone. Um, the archaeological special, that's coming. Uh, we've got the, the archaeologists coming back and we're going to have a fantastic evening. If you've got questions, put them in the chat box and uh, put a cue beside it so we know that it's, it's a question coming up. The 13th of October, working on a bit of a special at the moment. Hopefully it's going to involve dogs. I'll say no more until I confirm it up. The following week, I'm toying with the idea of, of having another open forum or we'll have um, maybe a cancer special uh, and look at all that. And then the 3rd of November, I've got um, fighter pilots coming on to talk about their processes, what they do um, when they're in operations and stuff like that. That's going to be another fascinating chat. So... Thursday evenings, get it booked in to your diaries. Right, let's go back to all of our guests. The Tim Heal Thirsty Thursday live stream from 7 until 9 weekly. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.